dilly dally so, and lollygagging. I've been right. interacting with this gentleman who texted well, me at two in the morning. Okay, first before I get into these messages, I want to take a quick look at the profile. See what we're dealing with here. It's nothing. It's a bot. Look at the picture. Even my buddy who is Dude, literally what is this? My buddy who's this literally is a stock photo of a man grocery <laughs> shopping. My buddy who's a videographer was like, "This is a stock photo of a guy buying groceries <laughs> from like HelloFresh with, with a pug in the background, and it's cropped awkwardly, <laughs> probably to crop the branding off of the top or the bottom." <coughs> yeah, He's dude. a father and entrepreneur and loves America. Me too. I mean, uh, I'm not a father. Hello. But... Are you a song space writer? By the way, this was in the... Um... <laughs> I like your response where you said sure. <laughs> <laughs> hey, don't keep your expectations low. I was looking for someone to write a song for my daughter. Her birthday is coming up and I need just a simple song, which I'll have her name mentioned and some other things I'm willing to pay. Now, I don't talk price. I just go... I'm up for the challenge. Pretty much, yeah. You're like, what's 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 what kind of song? When's the B day? What's her name? Her name is Bella. She's turning five. She uh, like mermaids, and her favorite show is the PJ Masks. Don't know what nope. that is. But she's in love with Spider Man. All caps, dude. She loves to eat cake a lot, and you'd probably want to mention her puppy Molly too. Sounds like a drug reference. You can you can say what I said too, which is corny as shit. They're best friends. Thanks. Her birthday is 16th on next month. Soul. Do you see where I'm like, what is, do you need this in like three days or do you need this like You're in like, a month and three days? Before on the 16th, he says. That still makes no sense. Like in three <laughs> days or next month. I'm kind of more rock oriented, but I'm into this idea. I play pretty basic stuff on acoustic, but I have a recording setup and could crank something out by next month. Do you like, I sold myself. Yeah. Yeah. You're keeping it. By the way, no talk high price and tight. yet. Anytime before 16th, February 16th, right? Before 16th, next month, right? I, wanna, I just want to go into like a, an oh, Eastern European accent. Please, dude. You'd be able to get it done, right? And that was sort of Russian. Yeah. Very good. Yep. What kind of cake does she like? <laughs> my, Chocolate my, cake. My friend did actually tell Tra- me to traditional that. He's like, that's for Estonian sure. Russian cake. So he's like, that's for sure a bot, right? I think that's an AI chatbot. But isn't it specific? What is he get out of? I think it's been prompted to message as many people as possible and ask them to write songs. What does he get out of me writing a song for his daughter? He no, it's a chatbot. It's not. It's not a real. There's. They're just. There's no money involved. Like I don't think so. Because you would be. He would be paying you. Maybe. Maybe he's trying to. So there is one scam that happens where they basically get you to like trick you into thinking that they gave you money or and gave you sure. too much money so then you're like oh well, here's here's my bank account they're gonna have me write a whole song first i think yeah well i mean look dude you've got talent they've henry, got songs henry here's the thing dude the way this story ends is you writing a birthday song. i'm writing the song yeah of course i would be i would hate it if you it's didn't the only I, way I, w- I, w- I would write it for you if you decided not to i'm kind of like maybe this is a challenge for me I can't wait to hear how you incorporate her beloved puppy, Molly. I already have a melody in my head. But you need to, I, I'm telling you, you need to somehow work both Molly and Ecstasy. Spider-Man and Chocolate Cake. Mo- but I, you need to oh, make Molly an Ecstasy and I- reference. She's five, dude. There is no child, Dave. There is No child is nope. going to ever hear this song. It's real to me, damn it. <laughs> It's gear buds, gear buds, bubble 
bum gear buds gear buds bum 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 gear buds gear buds bum 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 gear buds gear buds podcast in fact gear buds podcast episode 194 that could have gone worse i'm i am b minus proud of us uh this what do you is, expect man this is a show my <laughs> name is henry his name is dave hey what's up and we like to talk at microphones into the internet and talk about nerdy music stuff and i'm good thanks buddy and uh and and peep it into the world so let's do that in the symphony of corrections and here's your weekly reminder that cables are tone tubes mm-hmm. uh we're really thankful that you're listening as always not gonna lie just real just constantly thankful appreciate you guys you find lovely folks listening and reaching out and doing all that fun stuff follow us on the stuff subscribe at the stuff emails at the stuff gearbuds podcast at gmail.com uh gearbuds reverb shop lots of stuff in there what do you want to disclose what any of the listings are let's see well I've had, i put the svt up i put uh the, i saw it on craigslist by the way yeah i've I, well so i had six things up and i'm down to five now because nice. one thing sold, and there was a little bit of sadness. Sold involved. that warm microphone. I sold that sold that warm mic, which I am actually connected to because I got to use that. You did quite a bit, and it sounded great. It sounded really nice on your voice. It, it might liked, be it likes one that of my, circuit. One of my favorite microphones I've ever used. Yeah, you know, I'm just I'm just moving things around, consolidating, and uh, making room for more stuff. Uh, but if you're interested in any of it, Reverb.com/slash I don't know something then something Gearbuds. It's just Gearbuds is the name of the shop on there. Is it .com slash gearbuds? It's reverb.com. It might be. Slash shop. Slash slop. I would be. Slash shop. Slash shop. Slash gearbuds. Just try that. Something like that. We're not going to fact check Who that. actually types in addresses anymore is the great question. I do, dog. Something do like, really? Something like that I would. I just click on the. I Google that shit, dude. I know you do. You'll come I'm up. A, because I'm a search professional and I know that that's what everyone does now. That's your shit. And uh, if you're, uh, yeah. Oh, you know what? Actually, this was, I wanted to mention, this is the first time I've ever had, I've listed plenty of things for local pickup on Reverb, but it, almost always they sell on Craigslist or something first. This is the first time I've actually had someone exercise the local shipping or the local pickup option, and they didn't even bother to try to be like, yo, let's uh, just like do this deal off the thing. Hang out for a little while. Let's just hang, dog. <laughs> and... Uh, and that's okay. I mean, that's I think they just so you're saying you sold it on Reverb. I sold it on Reverb. Oh, okay. I thought it was well, Craigslist. I, you know, okay, I picked cool. them up on the old corner. Uh, met, met him on the corner. I don't get. He didn't test it out. He didn't. He didn't have questions. No. Yeah. I mean, I, I. In fact, I made him open it up and look at it. He was. I think he was just gonna like. Wow. Be done with it, and I. I was like, no. Can you like? I just want you to, just to see it. I want to see it one last time. Let me just get a quick look. I'm honestly, I'm, I'm a little sad to see it go. Me that too. was one of. One of my favorite microphones ever. It was a great microphone, and, and it served me well. But, I'll say that you know, I for all the the handful of years that I've had it and use it a lot, um, pretty much I broke even on that whole. I will say deal. this from a GearBuds perspective: you made me excited when you were like, "Oh, it's not the last microphone I'm ever gonna." Lord, no. Certainly, I mean, I still have so many microphones that I do. I guess I don't have. I've sold all of my large diaphragm. What's your mics. next best vocal microphone? One of the two that we're speaking into right now, sure. I, uh, on my the voice, twenty and the Shure SM7. Those are on my voice for some reason. I, I like them more than I ever really liked. I had that U47 clone. I had a, an 87 clone. I've had a bunch of different types of mics in that world, and this is these. I, for some reason, singing, I just like how these sound on me better. Cool. Uh, I have. I still have a Neumann small diaphragm uh, Cam 184, which is Ooh. pretty pretty delightful. 
I don't think I'll ever get rid of that. I'm a sounds, looking, I'm a liking. It sounds, it does actually sound really nice on voice, but I really especially love it on acoustic guitar. It's just like the coolest sound. Nice. So I don't think I could ever get rid of it for that reason, Dave. Don't do that. Uh, the point is that uh, if you want any any of my stuff, you can go get it on the, on the shops and maybe make an offer that isn't. Little, I will also add. Uh, Reverb has limited the options on how you can limp on how we, what you can set your lowball threshold at on that make an offer button. It used to be used to be able to say like, oh, right. don't give me any. I'll offers give you one dollar below one, one one like you just set it yourself. Now it's just a checkbox, and it's oh, pre, so it's preset sixty four percent. So any if anything is below sixty four percent, Nintendo sixty four percent of your asking price. It automatically rejects it, but that means that now bots are smart enough to know that, so they just send you a bid at sixty-five percent, and that's just what I've gotten. So you many. You told of them me on you got a few uh, low balls this week. I've been getting a lot of low balls on pedals this now, week. Now, <clears throat> in a in a weird way, isn't this kind of like, come on, we're the ball hawks, dude. We're we're the ball boys. We uh, so you're getting your just dessert. You're, I'm, I, I look. I can't be mad about it. It is just. I just wish I was. I didn't have my options taken away from me at to what level I could set that threshold. Right. Because I'm willing. I have to make an offer button for a reason, friends. Well, the whole thing I'm, is too, I'm willing to accept less than I'm asking. It's just not that. Much right. Less. You get the offer and then you counter with like a reasonable price, which I do, and then and yeah. they'll come up to like ten dollars above that, and, and then, then you're like, all it. right, get out of and my then I leave. face. Yeah. All right. Got a rare find of the week. What I think you, got? you might have even you sent me this one. That weird Hoffner bass? No, it is another weird bass, though. Okay. Not oh. weird, just a bass. The uh, 1960 Gibson. Well, let me just start by saying oh, it's yeah. listed as a Gibson EB1 Mark I slab, but it's not an mm-hmm. EB1. It's an EBO. Because the EB1 is that weird sort of like weird violin-looking Gibson sure. bass. You're absolutely right. And uh, e- this is an EBO. Like It looks it looks like a double-cut But it cut doesn't junior. have the devil horns. It's got No, the, it does have the devil. It's it's, it's it's not like SG. It's like a slab of 60s junior body. looks like a junior. Yeah. Exactly. It's a double-cut um, way. I'm, I'm, I mean, again, it's listed as a 1960 Gibson EB1. I'm, I'm like 99.99. You're happy about the price. 0.99. Oh, my God. We'll get to the price. Percent sure that's an EB, EBO. But no, anyways, exactly right. it is listed as having been owned by Dennis and Ed Lozhensky, session musicians for Elvis and Anne Margaret in the 60s and claimed to have later worked with Brian Wilson. Well, that makes it more valuable. Dennis can be seen playing the upright bass on this famous clip from Viva Las Vegas, and there's some screenshots of Elvis in playing in this like live venue in the movie Viva Las Vegas, and in the background, this guy playing the bass. Not this bass. He's playing an upright bass, but that man uh, who the bass. Oh, was that's by. my favorite picture. I'm like, why is this relevant? Yeah, at all? it doesn't show. You could have picked any influence. random picture of Elvis and put it up on your list. It's just proving that this guy played with Elvis back in the day. Yeah, but the, he's exactly he's, he's playing the upright. He's playing, playing the upright. <laughs> it would have been nice to see the bass. In the it would have been nice. Uh, he they claim for. Uh, they have documentation and correspondence, very misspelled, which is fun, uh, from their Dennis's son, Brian, confirming the guitar is real. But then uh, it says, no breaks, no repairs, 100% original, and it has banjo tuners. Should we just officially say fuck banjo tuners? Yeah. I mean, I call them shitty ukulele tuners. Yeah. Because I have a shitty ukulele that has never been in tune in my entire life. Some of them can kind of stay in tune, but they just it. it Let's explain I, what it as is. a look. Yeah, so I guess if anyone doesn't know, normally yeah. you've got a tuner on a headstock, and you see the stem, and then whatever the sort yeah, of like attachment a tube, right? on the stem is a, pa- a tulip or a whatever. Just 
a little perloid dot, whatever it is, comes out at, uh, I guess it is technically perpendicular to the headstock. A banjo tuner, you still see the front slot part of the tuner, and but instead of the arm coming out from the side, it goes the straight stock. backwards. Yeah. And it looks like it got a, a high and tight haircut. You know, it, very good. Yeah. And uh, it's not my favorite look. And, and, and it's also just kind of an annoying way to have to tune an instrument. Mm-hmm. So. I mean, I've only had bad experiences with those tuners, yeah. so I have PTSD. Sure. And so you remember what this thing is, the asking price. Well, $30,000 or so. So uh, before I tell you the actual price, it's I, I looked. And, the, and go, the current going rate for a 1960 of the same sort of era vintage, et cetera, the whole thing, is around 8 k Maybe you could probably get it for less. We're almost in the ballpark. This one uh, is listed for forty thousand dollars. Forty thousand. Yeah, it was like thirty-eight or maybe thirty-nine, and then plus a real, real high expensive cool. shipping rate. So yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I don't rare find of the week indeed. I Honestly just, though, yeah. The cheap like slab body thing, and it's it's a very basic. Like it was their answer to the P base, I think. It's a, it's a, I mean, there, it's kind of a cool base. It's got the mud bucker up top, but, um, just, I, I can't take anything seriously for such an egregious asking price, David. You know me. Even if famous, I'm single minded. Even Dennis Lohensky himself. Uh, you know, it kind of sucks because I don't really want to bring the mood down too much, but a really, Sad thing happened this week, and uh, we have to address it. I feel like we have to address it because yeah. it's. I mean, I feel, I feel sad about it. You Me know? too. And so I think probably most people listening to this know uh, that this this past week uh, we lost Jeff Beck from from the world at the age of seventy eight. Yeah, and I've really I've kind of thought about it a lot, and I and I think that Jeff Beck was kind of the last. He's among the last few living legends that we have of that thing that is rock guitar sure so many so many people have have been influenced by him so many people have tried to be influenced by him he's played with everyone every i mean every cool musician on earth this week has released statements about it like you know you you name them and if they're famous they've said something about jeff this week start with the yardbirds which is pre-led zeppelin he played with jimmy page and it's like no, you are like one of the top ten legends of guitar. Of yeah, let's time. get into it. So he, first of all, I think it's really important to say he never once ever sang on any of his recordings, hmm. and that is a rarity. Someone that just has always just been guitar, guitar player, yeah. and and I respect a lot of that uh, because, especially because, and not to get too uh, cliche about it, his he had very vocal a, a very vocal approach to playing melodies. Uh, the things that he played, uh, the, we don't, probably shouldn't even try to describe what it sounded like. Uh, so that said, uh, his uh, he was born in uh, Wallington, Surrey, England, June twenty fourth, nineteen forty four. Little uh, little war baby, I guess he's like a like a pre boomer in some ways, a pruner. Uh, his one of his first heroes, Les Paul. You know, nice. That'll, that'll do it. Then followed by Cliff Gallup, BB King, and Steve Cropper. Him and Jimmy Page became friends as teens. They uh, both went to the Wimbledon College of Art. Wow. Which was, you I did know, not like know that. obviously in the UK, high school is college for us Yanks. Uh, then they also met some guy named David Screaming Lord Such. Uh, and then they made their first recording in 1962 together. Wow. Which is wild. That's uh, pre Yardbirds, even. 
It is. And then he, uh, in 65, replaced, of all people, Eric Clapton in Yardbirds. That's right. Yeah. Uh, so I guess he was pretty unhappy in that band. I, didn't, I don't really know much about it, but he was in it for 18 months, and that was how he got his first Rock and Roll Hall of Fame induc- induction, and then has since also been inducted for a second time just for his solo stuff. Okay. One of the, you know, handful of legends that have been <laughs> inducted twice into that kind of ridiculous organization, frankly. Uh, but then he's, dude, Jeff Beck group. That's my, that's my favorite. Tal Wilkenfeld. No, base. that's later. That's much later on. Je- Jeff Beck group was Rod Stewart and Ronnie Wood. Oh, dude. Yeah. Like th- it was called Jeff Beck group and the singer was Rod Stewart. Yeah. I literally heard one of the songs today. Me too. Oh, I was, I've been, li- I listened to Jeff Beck all day today. Uh, but, and that, you know, so that stuff is still kind of in that like pre Zeppelin, but very much sort of riffy blues based psychedelic mm-hmm. kind of Zeppelin thing. Right. But, um, but that's when he was playing mostly known for playing that last Paul. He had the, it was a 54 gold top that was paint, uh, you know, co- converted to ox blood. With those P nineties, baby, baby. And he didn't, he didn't actually do the ox blood himself. I found out that the previous owner had been the one that, um, refinishes the word that was okay. Stupidly escaping me. Uh, it is on the cover of what the album actually I listened to front to back today, blow, blow by blow from 1975. It's the album he's playing that guitar on the cover of that album. But I think a lot of people, most I think most people probably in modern era think of you think of Jeff Beck as a Strat guy. Yes, hundred percent. He was actually one of the first uh, signature guitar players, I believe. Right? I know. I know. Ingve and Green, Clapton were up uh, there. I don't remember when his came out, but sure he, he's had one for a very long time. Yeah. And there's also a, a like a cream sort or like a mm. aged some, so yellow of some sort. Yes. Um. Really, he's and he's now that I think about it, he's had actually kind of a few different versions of that signature. Because I remember at one point there was one that had like a weird roller nut. It was like this metal nut with ball bearings on it. Up on the nut? Up on the nut, dog. Up on the headstock, yeah. With rollers? Yeah. Almost like another bridge up there? Which is effectively what a nut is. Because I've seen those high-mass nuts before where they like, you know, on like a hair metal like dog or even like yeah like a floyd rose a floyd rose would have a walking nut yes i my my freaking lester has a very 70s uh brass nut what yeah dog so does your p-base i'm i'm just i've just got brass brass tacks i need to get you know i should get some some brass grills dude gold grills are overrated brass is the way to go dude is that is that bad is it like toxic for you (laughs) yeah it's terrible (laughs) just sucking on brass all day (laughs) Uh, but yeah, so I do like the strat. That was the thing. And yep. so he did, um, wired, which is the record after that when he officially, officially unofficially switched to the strat. And I believe the strat's even on the cover of that one. Mm. And I think his version of goodbye pork by hat is one of his most famous songs ever. Mm-hmm. In fact, it probably I actually, I looked at, I can't remember where it was, but or in the list, it was down the list, but I looked at his top played songs on Spotify today and uh, I was delighted to find that he played on a couple songs on Ozzy Osbourne's most recent record. No fucking from way. like this past year. He did like Ozzy did like a collab record. From he like did a, a record yeah. last year mm-hmm. with the all collabs, and there are two Jeff Beck songs on there. And no, I way. gotta be honest, surprisingly listenable. You listen to it? I oh, I listen to a lot of Jeff Beck today. Yeah, and those are definitely you know in the ten twenty million plays list. So they they. Trounce all of his other stuff, yeah. but 
Yeah, there's a bunch. Go check it out. Um, I yeah, I don't even know. Like, you lost the legend. He man. was so unique. His style, with the way that he used the whammy bar and pursued. I I don't really like listening to a lot of it, but I love that he pursued like jungle and house music and you know electronic influences he and was stuff. An open book, man. totally his whole musician. his whole career. Eight Grammys, seven of which were for best rock instrumental performance. And I, this, you know don't love this gotta be honest his most recent album was that one that he did with johnny depp i i tried to listen to some of it today so when i brought up that the other <laughs> yesterday someone was like is he the guy who plays with johnny depp oh, i was like that's your reference wowzers. to jeff Beck," and i'm like wow dude yeah that's that's that that did happen but i you already sort of mentioned it before my very favorite and i listen i like i said i listen to a lot but my the thing that i come back to the most over the years is that live at Ronnie Scott's in 2007 with, like you said, Talwick, Wilkenfeld on yep. bass, Vinny Kelyuda on drums, and Jason Robello on keys. And that is just – if you if anybody listening to this, I would say, hasn't really experienced much Jeff Beck, go to the old YouTube, yep. Jeff Beck, 2007. Ronnie Scott's. Tal has a funny story. She actually had food poisoning. She was going to fill in for Pino Palladino. Really? Yep. And he like couldn't make it uh-huh. or whatever. So she came in and um, she had food poisoning like on the plane. So she got there, did an IV, slept for like 10 hours, woke up and she had her audition with Jeff Beck. And obviously nailed it. Nailed it. And she's like, he was like a father to me. So that's amazing. I love her, dude. I've been following her for a long time. So good. Yeah. So yeah, I guess, you know, real bummer, but it's an opportunity to go visit or revisit some of the most ferocious incredible inventive guitar playing ever and 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 you know me i'm not like i grew up with it but i'm just like i kind of i don't like most blues based sure. stuff i think we're on the same page and there. uh anymore and you know even his blues stuff i can i can still listen to because he always it's did tasty. weird outside tasty stuff he you know he'll th- once in a while you're gonna hear a sort of standard pentatonic lick but it's always going to be surrounded by some weird shit and that's that's the thing I really like about Jeff Beck. So rest in peace. Yeah, man. Jeff Beck. Okay. What else? Uh, you got any feet this week? No rare feet. I <laughs> I looked and li- and like I kept an eye. I kept a toe out for some feet this week, and I couldn't find shit. All right. Um. All right. Can we do a little cringe alert, please? Can we talk just a little bit about? Though there are two things. Is it the naming guitars? It's thing? naming guitars. Let's I don't think we sh- I don't it. think we shit on naming guitars enough around here. What's worse, naming guitars or stickers on guitars? For me, obviously naming, and I'm guilty of both. You know what? Well, I was gonna say I've never put stickers on a guitar, and then I'm looking at the guitar I quite, <laughs> it's made of quite literally covered head to toe with stickers. Uh, but I have, you know, I've only named. We've talked about this on the show before. You and I have talked about this. Sure. I've only ever but- named one instrument, and it was this, and it was just because I missed <clears throat> it, and it was my SG that we were talking about a lot right. last week. It does have a name. I was in Europe for a while. The only I was, I couldn't get any American TV anywhere. I watched or even English speaking TV. I watched a bunch of BBC wherever I could just for that. And there were, at the time there was this newscaster lady named Flula. So I was like, Oh, I'm, I missed my SG Flula is what I associated with that. Now, Can I just- I, but, but that said in my mind, I know this and that I'll know that forever. Yeah. Never ever in 100 million years, not even if there was a fire, would I say, Hey Tell Dave, someone. yeah, Grab Falula for me. I mean, we're, we are telling the world right now, but like on a forum, you wouldn't be like, 
Yeah, it took Falula into the shop today. Which is quite literally the what t- t- triggered me. Because yeah. I did see a, a thread where this guy was, you know, the original poster. And he just went on, so and like, on about that. And then, so, mm-hmm. the, there's the other half of it. We talked, I said there's two elements to this cringe. One is the naming guitars. And two is referring to them as a gender exclusively, which from mm. guys is usually a she. Mm-hmm. Like, it's not a fucking seafaring vessel. It's it's yeah. it's not your sister. Well, it's, it's not. A, it's not just like oh, I, sh- I took her into the shop. She's playing like a now, real beauty. I'll say that in like jest. I'll be like, yeah, oh, but took oh, her over to the shake. You like the, the, there was a the post I'm talking about. This guy just yes, over and over and over in multiple paragraphs. It was quite a long post. Mm-hmm. Did that and and I and I'm not sure. So I, my question to you is, which mm-hmm. is cringier? Is it naming it or exclusively referring to it by a gender oh well i i think the whole thing's stupid but like the uh the the thing i want to know is like when you're alone do you walk into your room and you're like hey francis (laughs) you're like hey and you just like stroke it like what what is the point of naming it it just it doesn't have a soul it's not a ghost i'm sorry it's really forced and that's i think what makes the well it's posting about it that makes it a thing though right the, the 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 I think you get away with it when you're fucking you know, uh, uh BB King BB King well for well, BB King's a great example Lucille Lucille obviously I you know, you hear you see a lot especially if you watch enough rig rundowns like I do that touring mm-hmm. artists will often name their instruments and I think part of that's just like for confusion and if stuff. you've got four jazz bases out on the road right. maybe it's easier to do it that way i mean i know pete townsend had like you, n- the numbers number, yeah, on dude. his guitars that yeah. sort of thing that's actually so that makes sense dude to me. that's actually funny because it's a sticker and he's naming it it's so, d- like double trouble he kind of yeah he kind of just schooled is jean claude van damme slash dennis rodman <laughs> your ass i loved it was that called double trouble double double team double team yes great movie I don't know that I would call it a great movie, but it, it, great, it, is, it is a movie. Great movie. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Uh, that's really all. I, I just, yeah, I just hate that. No, so but much. my whole thing is like, are you naming it to like get attention or like, are you actually walking in the, your room where you keep it stored and like stroking it and being like, hey, hey, yeah, hey, Susie. Oh, hey, Susie. Susie. Hey, don't worry. Uh, I'll, I'll get you later. Jamie yeah. or whatever the fuck. yeah like a real just real mundane like the it's like I don't hey, get it dude. and yeah <laughs> Beth dude. I just don't get it yeah it's fine uh, I call mine the 75 and the 62 and the 62 and the 62 yeah I guess the trick for me is I just I try not to have multiples of the same sort of thing so I could just say my Les Paul or my 330 yeah, or your whatever. SG I would know exactly what you're talking you'd about. know but that goes again to like we're not the people who collect like 17 of the same instruments. 17 vintage SXs. <laughs> uh, no rare feet this week yet. So, um, oh, you know what? I did want to mention something else. And that is, I sent you a link to this, I don't know, maybe a couple of weeks ago. And it's been, it's been uh, getting pushed down the old list. And I thought it was interesting enough to mention the show because we, you know, in fact, we just talked about Floyd Rose, a good old Floyd Rose vibrato. I, you're, you're never going to get me to call like it a the tremolo. Bridge nut, dude. You like a bridge nut. And uh, I came across this post about, quote, the Southern Rock tremolo system you've never heard of. Mm. And it is uh, this German vibrato wang bar system that was on these German guitars uh, from 1963 to 1965 during, you guessed it, the Beatles boom. And uh, there were... 
it's very un, it's very uncertain who, wh- sort of specifically where this originated. It came out on Framus, Hoyer, Clara, uh, or Clara, and Hoffner guitars of the time. I was going to so, say Hoffner is the only one I can think of. Yeah. So um, some people claim it was made by a company called Hoff H O P F. Uh, but uh, other than there being some sort of OEM German manufacturer located in Goetz, West Germany, no one really knows where these things exactly originated. But they became fa- uh, famous with the famous axe man from Leonard Skinnerd, Alan Collins. And he put them on a couple of heaps. I guess the story goes is that he you know, was touring over there, came across some guitars with it, wound up buying them and putting them on a few of his guitars, including his famous Explorer that he played, you know, like Freebird and all that shit on. Sure. But I guess the original founder of 38 Special and lead guitars is a guy named Jeff Carlisi, and he was the one who sort of has brought a lot of this to light and like confirmed a lot of it. I guess um, he originally he originally found one of those uh, what he calls goofy guitars in a pawn shop outside of a U.S. Navy base in Jacksonville. So a lot of servicemen bought those guitars over in over yonder, okay. brought them back across the pond. Then they that was know, the idea, showed up right? in pawn shops yeah. here. So I guess it wasn't just Alan Collins who used it. It was also this guy, Jeff Carlisi. But I guess there, it was. It became sort of like a popular mod in that crew of hmm. southern rock and roll bands. Do you think you era. would uh, consider throwing that on Do, something? I would love to try one. I've never actually come across one on like a good instrument before. That's so. the thing. Like If it's on a shitty guitar, it's just going to be shitty. Anyway. Exactly. There was one on... Uh, Oh, Ricky Medlock, also from Skinner, uh, his 1969 Flying V has one a bunch. Of, but I guess, oh, um, Alan also had a white uh, Gibson SG that had one on there. So he was like a huge now we're talking. proponent of this. Oh, yeah, I know a little Wang Bar. I mean, you know I like Wang Bar on an SG. You got that 330 Wang Bar going on. I've got a 330 Wang Bar from a vintage Epiphone Casino. There you go. I've got, well, like, I've got the Bigsby on the on the SG. Oh, yeah. Um, do I have, oh, I have, well, I have a, an Ibanez with the Floyd Rose, but that, a, that's still, that lives in the case. I think on the uh, Fender, on the telly. That'd be a nice one for a wing bar. Dude, you know, I've looked at that. In fact, if you might put recall the from on those, years right? ago. Tom Petty style. Dude, remember uh, the company Barum? We talked about that made, it was sort of like a, a B-bender sort of deal that went mm-hmm. on the top. That's, That's That was my ultimate deal with it. And they sent it to me, but I could never get it to work. It won't work with my bridge. Because it's like I have like a special weird 1984. Uh, it was like their like sort of like elite bridge of the time, so it just doesn't fit. It's not like a standard ashtray telly. But yeah, I just felt like I thought maybe your audience might want to know about this if they ever see a weird uh, Wang bar that they don't recognize. Uh, it's probably made by a company called Hoff, but no one really knows for sure. It is funny because like I couldn't think of another German company aside from Hoffner. Oh, there's this little automotive manufacturer. What's her name? Porsche. Well, I mean, BMW. Mercedes. If Porsche, if Porsche made a guitar, that'd be sick. You know, there's a Porsche Strat out there somewhere. At Remember least, the, like, uh, Ford, oh, the Celine, the, the Celine, Celine Strat, yeah. Mustang. Yeah, dude, that was that was a pretty ugly, a pretty ugly guitar with a lot of carbon fiber <laughs> on it. I wasn't a big fan. Do you like that one or the um? What was the one that had like the what what do they call those fancy eggs? Oh, a Fabergé egg. Fabergé. Dude, I'll, I'll rock the show that Fabergé. I'd wear my finest Dude. Prince outfit. Here's the thing. You couldn't play a bad note on that thing. Like, you have to play perfectly. It, it makes all other notes that aren't played on it worse. Exactly. It is the Chuck Norris of strats. And with that, my friend, it's time. It's time for Dave's Docs. Yeah, drink your beer. Kick your feet up. We're going to talk about uh, Dave's Docs. 
Well, well, I'll say this. What do you got for us, buddy? It's going to be a short one today. Okay. I watched Dave's doc. I think this this might be a short episode. We'll see. I never know. I feel like we 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 beefed it at the top. We beefed but you it never at the know. top, dude. We, t- we talked about a lot of stuff that we couldn't, as always, that we couldn't right. legally publish in yeah, the show. Yeah, we talked for a straight hour about <laughs> legality. Uh, did you watch Weird? Okay, I can't figure out how to... I can make it work on my phone, but I can't make Roku, mm. Roku go on my old TV without well, buying a Roku box. If you got Roku, Weird, the Weird Al Yankovic story. Dude. Um, did you like it? Yeah, I don't a, think you did, did you? It's a stoner, dumb movie it's a it's it's a satire oh i enjoyed it yeah satire would be yeah that would be scraping the surface it was the opposite of any story that actually happened so it's kind of like i mean he he got daniel radcliffe like a young a young handsome ripped actor he got shredded for that which is so funny well weird al was kind of shredded but never like that he was bodied up in this that was they did that intentionally to be to make it funny so the whole idea is like everything that you see is the opposite of everything that happened yeah if that makes any sense that's so good so like you know there's a opposite day there's a scene where like you know, he um he knows how to play accordion, but his friends are like, by the way, his good looking, cool, popular guys are like, you got to come to the party tonight. He's like, I don't know if I can make it. And they're like, come on, bro. Like, you're one of us. And he's like this dork. And then they go to the party. Right. And it's a polka party. So it's all cool kids and everyone's dressed normal. Polking. It's everyone's dressed normal. But the music in the background is just like. <laughs> And there's accordion, and there's even a scene where like um, this girl has a record. She she's like, I don't know, this one's a little too mainstream. I like this guy, and she pulls out some obscure accordion player, like on the you know on, like his vinyl. It's so there's nothing at all. Like it's all of it is just okay, totally made up. So here's what they do at the end of the movie, because this isn't really a spoiler alert. But they start showing. Oh, he dates Madonna through the whole thing. <laughs> but then. They're showing like during the credits, they're showing like photos of like actually Weird Al. Yeah. He's in the movie, by the way. He plays the record executive. Perfect. So great. And um, okay. They show like they show like him with Madonna and you're like, okay, was this real? What's going on? And then they start doing obvious Photoshop pictures. So it's like you don't know what's real. That's great. I love they're messing with us. It's really cool. And the best part of it is, um, you know, eat it was his big eat oh it, yeah totally eat it. so he does eat it right he records it it's he comes to him in a dream or whatever and like two days later this guy named michael jackson releases a song called beat it <laughs> so like this that's what we're dealing with so i fucking loved it i do want to say but the, okay i want to ask yes, do you feel like this fits into what you would call a, a dave's doc no is it, it's so it's not it's not it's, it's there's, there's nothing gear budsy come about on dude it. i got gear spots bro okay there was oh by the way you've got uh rain wilson's in it a bunch i love rain wilson and jack black's in it oh conan shit. is like conan plays um fucking oh andy warhol yeah he plays andy warhol i will say this and i want to say this to the real fans who are who do enjoy dave's docs yeah i have a watch recommendation because i couldn't do a whole dave's doc about it yeah Oh, by the way, I give that six out of ten accordion. You also didn't give me any of the gear spots yet. Oh yeah, Gibson Thunderbird when they're playing live on stage. So what he does oh. is his roommates end up being in his band mm-hmm. in the movie. Yeah, 
and they're like, oh, I can play. And they just all show up on stage and like start playing. It's pretty funny. Yeah. Gibson, 70s Gibson Thunderbird, for sure. Natch finish? Natch finish, sunbursty, pickup covers. It might even been a 60s. Cool. Pretty cool. When did they, do you know when they started making the Thunderbird? 60s. 65. 64, 65. Okay. They're rare as fuck. I mean, they're yeah. like, it's impossible to find. Uh, 70 Strat, obviously. Acoustic amp. 370, 371. Okay. You know, your classic. Love that. Mid 70s stack. They did a really good job of like paying attention to the era. I thought so that was So you got cool. started in the 70s. Wow, I guess I didn't realize yeah. that. It was like late 70s. Late it was 70s, like yeah. 78, 79. Uh, Gibson Ripper bass. And a, a sweet BC Rich. Oh, guitar? Mm-hmm. Like Ooh. the Warlock style. You know, I mean, I, it's a weird late in life development that I've I've really developed a taste for the I BC feel like, Rich. You know, you're a, a a taller man of stature than I. I feel like you could definitely rock that like on stage, dude. I, I want one, I think. I, especially that, remember we were talking about that 10 string? That's what I want. Oh, baby. The weird, weird blue By the 10 way, string. 10 string. It's like, what? Because there's need, one string need, that they didn't double. No, two, two that you didn't double. Right, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> but just the bottom two. Um, what's your recommendation? You said you were going to give another, oh, uh, six out of 10 yeah. accordions for Love that it. one. Yeah. It was okay. It's fun. Get I, I really want to watch it. I just, yeah, like I said, I tried and I, I, I think I need to, it's a, it's I have a, a dumb LG TV and I don't know if they have Roku app on there. So. And honestly, I was like at the end of the game, kind of boring. Um, watch George and Tammy, the story of George ah, Jones, Mike Shannon and Tammy went at six part series on Showtime Hulu it? and Paramount. Yeah. I just finished last week. Dude, I mean, is Michael Shannon the greatest actor of like our generation? He's certainly one of my favorites, A, because he's from Chicago, and B, because I got to meet him once. And he can sing. I think he sings a lot of the parts in this. What movie. can't he do? He can brood. He's fantastic. He can. Dude, dude, there's a giant. I noticed I was, I think I was in Wicker Park. There's a giant billboard for that show. I'm telling everybody right now. Six parts are out. Watch the whole thing. So I might I might think about that one. I I I, I need a new show. Now, I I have a little close to my heart because I'm like, uh, you know, I like the outlaw country. I do, and I and I and and I like it, but I feel like it, even being around you has made me like it a little bit more. Because we watched that. Uh, God, what was that? Heartworn Highways, dude, bro. One of the best documentaries I've ever seen He's in, in my that. life. Yeah, yeah, right, exactly. Yeah, so it's um, it was just a wild time, but yeah, and um, Tammy Wynette was amazing. It's great, dude. Jessica Chastain was the uh, actress. Well, do you got a you got a rating on that one? Oh, on that nine out of ten. Nine out of ten, hands down. Yeah. yeah, it was perfect. All right, well, that was. I feel like that was a that was a breezier Dave's yeah. doc than usual. Which is, you know, I I am excited that you watched Weird because I want I tried I fucking tried to watch it and um I think I okay. I suspect that I'm gonna like it more than you just because I want to like it more than that. Maybe yeah. not. We'll see. I'm gonna grab another beer, dude. Do your thing. I am going to take us in the future gear as soon as you get back. And my favorite comment, the first comment, like the top one was, sounds more like taking back Monday. <laughs> <laughs> I died. Like, this is great. Dude, I mean, yeah, I, we've, I'm sure we've talked about it. I used to, I used to really love the band. I, I mean, I don't really listen to it anymore. I saw them at... Um, they did a reunion with the original guitar player, dude, yeah. uh, at Fred. Riot Fest several years ago and i went yeah. to i saw them there and it was 
I saw them kind of shitty, frankly. They they were never known for being a good live no. band, and they're like drunks and shit. Yeah. Um, we saw them at the um, you know, uh, what is it? Vans has that skate park in the I West. I haven't been there. I, so we saw them there. Free House show. House of Vans, right? Free show. I remember that. And free booze. It was so fun, dude. We waited outside for like two hours before that's, we got in. That's the rub. But pop yourself it. a nice little uh, little brownie bite or an edible or some oh, sort. I just, yeah. Glad handed with all the fans. Oh, you're a glad hander, buddy. And you know what all else right. you are? Ready for some future gear. Let's talk, get into baby. it. I don't know how much future stuff we've got to talk about. We've got some stuff to talk about. I've got a couple of gear updates to start us off with. We uh, I brought in the old VT40. For Let's repair. talk about it, man. Um, I haven't re- I haven't picked it up yet, but uh, I'm very pleased to learn that um, there weren't many major issues or anything. I I just you know I didn't think there was any were any major issues. The the first channel, the distortion channel. I, I was talking to the repair guy for a while. Sure, cool. He called me, and I guess you know that era of Ampeg. It's sort of like this well known kind of inside joke among. Amp tech repairs. That, that channel is that like, channel's straight up garbage. And break it down for me is it's a two channel. It's a two channel. The amp. left channel has like only like a couple knobs. It's just it? volume and distortion. Right. But it turns out that it is what I thought was crosstalk was the fact that the EQ section on channel two still affects channel. Oh, one. that's yeah. interesting. I didn't know. And that. it's apparently a diode based distortion, meaning it doesn't use the tubes to generate any of that drive. It's like running like a shitty, you know, any sort of distortion pedal into uh, the front end. Have of you heard that amp. sound from that? Amp? You know, honestly, I, I, I think I, I just originally, st- I'm sure I've tried, tried it out, but I just like originally plugged it into channel two because that's where all the EQ stuff was. And I was like, <laughs> Yeah, that's just what I want to use. I don't want distortion from this amp. I want a big, loud sort of like breaking up slightly sound. Well, and you want to be able to adjust it, and And then you push it with weird pedals and whatever. Um, So, but I wanted to get it up to up to snuff. You know, I think it might be a robe. The robes amp. You know, it's my favorite amp that you. I know. I know that you love that amp. I know we're big fans of Balthazar here, big time. But favorite vintage amp that I own might be the VT40. It's a great, and it's also just ball breakingly heavy. It's I need I need it's, it's, to put casters It's a hundred it. pounds. It's I think it might be more than that too. <laughs> it's so bad. It's so horrible to carry that thing. Regardless, uh, everything's checking out well. Uh, he said that the there I had some there were some weird issues with the reverb, which I guess is also common with that. He said that was totally repairable um, as par, as part of the whole sort of like run through of everything. Um, total quote was even cheaper than i thought it was going to be it was like i I had to put a small deposit down and then it's another 80 bucks on top of that yeah so um to get you know a a vintage he what is that 77 ish i think vt40 is what i have to get that up to tip top shape with not even needing to have the filter caps replaced which he said that you know maybe eventually in the future i would but for now he said that they all looked great and tested fine so Um, I'm feeling good about it. We talked about this though, man. I mean, a peace of mind is actually a very important thing when it comes to like servicing an amp with like, tube know. amps in general, especially if you're going to, and then if they're vintage, I mean, you've got, I just, I want to know what bugs are crawling around in that. You, right. And so, and, and I, you know, I, I could, I could poke around a circuit and know what I'm s- sort of looking at, but yeah. I wanted someone who's seen a bunch of yep. amps to, to give it the thumbs up. You did the right and, thing. And I think that we might have, you know, I feel good about the relationship. I think I might bring more stuff. To have so let's just be clear. Um, Shake Shop. Shake Shop. Yeah. Change their name. Well, right? I, I don't know how it works. I think okay. maybe it's like the partnership or I don't, I don't know, but they, whenever Home, Homeboy called me, 
he definitely introduced himself as from another shop. Okay. Maybe they outsource. Well, like I said, so when I first went there, I had never been there before. So I went to like what the internet says and like the, there's a sign outside. But then when you walk up to the door, it says, Hey, like we're actually like across the street. Yeah. Oh, see, yeah. I haven't different seen the space. New space. And it's yeah. a much, it's a, oh, I guess I, like I said, I've never been the original, but it's a very sort of like modern, cool looking cool. spot. So yeah, I don't know. I'm not exactly sure. Yeah, what their other is. place, the one that you walked up to, is just like a desk, and you walk in and drop your shit. Like they had last time I was there, like two years ago, they had fucking just lines of guitar cases just on the yeah. floor, just being like, "We just repair guitars." That's all totally. we do. So that's exciting. Um, excited to get, go pick that up. I was going to do it today, but I just uh, frankly haven't had the time yet. Work was a lot busier than I thought it was going to be, but I'll probably go pick it up tomorrow. And I think I might even bring just like another one of my amps that has a what small little issue. I think I might bring the Bogner with. Um, because the, um, there's one of the pots on channel one on that is also messed up. So I think they, I might need to have that replaced. I'm not sure, but, um, I think I just, I feel good about, I feel, I feel good about the conversation I had, the knowledge, very of the, nice people, the people. Seemed, and by the way, like, like two spot. weeks to get like just a, you know, uh, the diagnosis. Yeah. And I could have picked it up right you know pretty much that night yeah too, so no I, I again i brought my uh mark base there all right it just died right. out of nowhere all he did was he blew it out yeah like with spray because it had like fuzz inside of the amp dude all over the motherboard and everything i saw this video it was Dust. someone it was it was like a tiktok style video and it was like you know is your iphone too quiet or can't hear loud from your phone anymore and they just showed this phone that had like so much fuzzy just from being in pockets like in those little you know there's little holes on the speaker uh, that go over the speaker on the bottom of your phone just took like a tiny little scraper it's like real sharp point and just like carefully popped it out and then it was like you know 30 decibels louder or something wow because it was all just like phone lint or a pocket lint i've had the thing where uh, my charger isn't connecting because there's like pocket lint Imagine Inside that, but that's your, the speakers on the wow. on the bottom of your phone. Check it out. So maybe you've got, maybe you can unlock some volume potential. That's touching tips. That's a little tip touch. Right there, Another tip touch is that I think that that Bogner Harlow pedal, that's a keeper, baby. You keeping it? Not, not. I mean, I wasn't planning on selling it necessarily, right. but it's staying on. the It was board. in the trial mode. It was in trial mode, and it is staying on. Nice. It dude. is just you love it. The it's just this sweetness enhancer that makes everything that I do with it sound better mm. and I don't use it that drastically just a little bit of the boost I actually use it to kind of darken things just a tiny little Did you bit say it has compression too? and then it has that bloom knob which is what everyone gets it for and that just offers a very small mm. and I use a very small amount of what is already a pretty subtle compression that um, just kind of does a little bit of it, like compressor expander stuff and it just I love it clean, uh, you know, straight into that VT40 or into the Balthazar uh, Cabaret 13. I love it with distortion, other distortion pedals going into it or fuzz pedals. It kind of just like tightens it up, but also gives it a little more nastiness. It works and better with those. It, dude, it just, I'm, I, I am a huge fan of that pedal, man. And it's weird because it's one of those things where, you know, you've, I know you've talked about how you don't even really like the idea of an always on kind of pedal. This, very this to me. You could, like I I think I said last week like you could use it as an awesome lead boost like if you have the boost actually cranked up a bit into the front of a tube amp and then you use even maybe even a bit more of the bloom compression type deal uh, oh man it is just like liquid leads for days but I my favorite use for it is running you know I've got 
what I I've got on my board right now. I've got three three distortion pedals, and one of them has is a is both an overdrive and a boost. And each of those going into the pedal, I prefer it to just the standard sound of the. Let pedal. me ask you this question because yeah. um, you have your pedal board over there. Mm-hmm. You have the Balthy. Mm-hmm. Is it going to change if you start running it through the Ampeg when you get it back? Well, that I I rebuilt that pedal board when I had the based VT40 on the VT40. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, totally. I was just curious about that because it could affect everything. If you... And I was a little worried that when I plugged it into the Balthazar that it would not sound as cool or maybe like not be right with that amp because it's a very different type of amplifier. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it, it's, it sounds fucking wicked, dude. Yeah. Well, it that sounds so good. Rolls, that amp rules. That's my favorite small amp. Always will be. It's perfect. What else so you got for those us, are those are the couple of my personal gear this is uh, fun, updates man. that I wanted to get into. Then we've got some new stuff that um, I've found out about. Uh, this first thing that I want to talk about is pretty wild. Be, and I don't. Th- at first, I was thinking maybe we would get deep into it. I don't. I don't. Hmm. I haven't been able to use it yet, so that's why I don't want to get that deep into it. Hit but me, dude. Something that, in fact, we've already talked about my 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 day job a little bit earlier. But one of the things that I'm actually working on a lot right now is this integration we're we're really trying to get out ahead of integrating machine learning and AI into all of the shit that we're doing content generation or whatever. So I've been paying very close attention to this world, reading a lot of articles using, using some of the stuff uh, like uh, Jasper AI, chat GPT, open AI, Dolly, et cetera. Now what I have come across is what I believe to be, and maybe there is another one that I haven't seen before, but I believe this to be the first AI-powered drum machine plugin. It's called Emergent Drums from a company called Audio Lab. They it, it was out in I guess in beta for a while, and it is now officially like fully for sale. So it uses a deep neural network. Uh, it's trained on extensive an extensive database of existing drum sounds. By doing that. It then creates new royalty-free and totally original drum samples from scratch. How do you feel about this? Man? I'm excited by it. I, I'm, I think it's kind of sick. Scared. I'm scared at the same time. Uh, so it's capable. The pl- it's a plugin. Like I said, it's capable of generating entirely new sounds that can be sculpted with within the plugin, or then or just exported for use and whatever you want. So based on what though? What's it generating? Fed. From? Okay, so it's a good question. It's been fed tons of original drum samples from like very sure. fancy high-end yeah. collections of of these sounds now originally um the way that it's released right now you get 12 pads effectively like drum pads and each one of those is kind of designed to be like okay this is your kick drum this is like the snap or click or right. clap or hi-hat or whatever um now uh Within that, so you can say, okay, let's let's work on the kick sound. It's got these sliders, and you can sort of like choose these different categories, and based on how you choose it, it just generates a new kick drum. So sound. it's not beats; it's more of like tones and it's stuff. It's the like it's the bass sounds. It's not generating the patterns okay. and things for That's you. That's where I got freaked out. Which oh, dude, there's been stuff that does that for a long time. Okay, already. that that kind of, that kind of thing existed, but the fact that it's creating the sounds themselves that, based on AI, right? And machine learning networks that that's I don't think I've seen that before. So the other really cool thing is that 
So now, like I said, it's it's like these sliders, and you can say, like, I want it to be, I don't even know, I haven't used it, but I would imagine it's, like, deeper or bigger or clickier. I don't know. There's, like, different sliders, and then based on where you have the sliders, it generates a sound. Other sort of, like, little filters and stuff. Sure. What they're moving towards is that instead of using these sliders, soon you'll be able to do two things. One, type in the type of sound that you're looking for, and based on your text inputs, it'll generate So give sound. me an example. Uh, the snare sound from when the levee breaks. Three eleven, mixed with a popcorn <laughs> snare from three eleven, yeah. and then it'll try to generate that for Holy you. Shit. Or even sooner than that, what you're going to be able to do is take a, a sound that you have already. Say it's a, like a sample that you have, or you know, from a drum pack or something, or you've sampled your own eight oh eight, or you've sampled this a. a bass drum sound from when the levee breaks you can take that little sample drag it into the plugin and then it'll generate based on that input it'll generate another sound that you can then go and tweak with the the shit in there holy fuck yeah what do you think (sighs) isn't there fun still to like miking a drum set and like I don't think this replaces that necessarily. Right, I, agree. I think this this is definitely aimed more at the like future person that isn't trying to play acoustic drums or recording anymore. just on their computer. They don't have a lot yeah, of instruments. Yeah, the digital based setup. Yeah. So that's the thing. Yeah, I guess on the one hand, like especially if you're a producer, you're you a lot of you know if that's your profession, you're spending a lot of money on sound packs and sample libraries and all that sort of stuff. Even if you can mic it all yourself. So this, I feel like, could if it's good replace a lot of that so it makes it makes the access to sound a lot more democratic and it's but they're all unique sounds too so it's all generate i mean of course it has to be based on something else it has to have a bunch of inputs from other sound pre-existing sounds but you are creating new sounds and i'm and one of the things i've always been after in my life is new sounds so yeah. I, I like that original takes um that my sort of and I'm not, I didn't originate this idea, but I think my main problem that I have with not even this, just like applications of machine learning and artificial intelligence in general is that I thought that we should be using AI to free us up to make art. I didn't think we should be, I I wish we weren't applying AI to make the art for us. Mm. So it's like, you know, we should be applying this technology to make our lives easier. So all the mundane bullshit that we have to do, like brushing our teeth or wiping our butt or whatever. Let's, let's figure out like how to make that stuff automated. It's so that we can, instead of going to work all for 40 hours a day, we can just like set our AI to do whatever. And then, you know, paint. Well, it's making us lazier, dude. That's the thing. It's, I, I, I just think it's, I'm I'm worried that we're replacing the AI should make our lives easier in in certain ways, and I'm afraid that we're replacing the wrong stuff. Sure, I agree. My only, my only main concern. I totally agree. Um, but this plugin is available. Also, now. I will add, we are gonna be at Terminator Two one day, Terminator One even. I mean, we're against like the machine. Terminator bro. Genesis. I don't even know what the. Did you watch are, the third one? I've never seen the third one. And there's a at least a fourth and maybe a fifth as well. I need your clothes, your boots, and your motorcycle. You always wanted to say that to someone on a microphone. What do you think that they're at? So it's <laughs> Mac PC. Okay. Uh, plug in, you know, formats. 
single price for the plugin, what do you think they're two hundred bucks, dude? Buck forty nine. It's not not expensive for what what it, it's it's close enough to impulse that I like really want to try it and play around with it. That I'm like I'm almost kind of thinking about it. So grab it. That's that, dude. dude. I want to go back to something. Yeah, you were gonna buy a DL four recently and you didn't. I'm still holding out on the H ninety. Yeah. Oh, man, I just, I really, I, I know I'm going to get it eventually. So I'm just like, why even bother? When does it like drop? Oh, it's out. It's just mostly sold out in places or back ordered. And, uh, can you get a used one? I haven't seen any used ones pop up yet. Wow. Must yeah. be that good. It's well, there, it's just, it's so limited dog the people. And it's the hot, it's the hot ticket. I, I've been thinking about just getting on a pre-order list for it. I want it so bad. Because I do want all the delay stuff in it for sure. That which the DL four that would scratch that itch, which is actually bigger than this pedal, by the way. So I couldn't have both of them. But I also want all the other stuff in there too. Right. And the DL four is just delays and reverbs, and that's great. And they're great with delays and reverbs. But I, the new one has delay and reverb at the same time. It does. And so you know what else does the H ninety, but also like every other effect that you Who can possibly. Who makes the H ninety? Is that even tied? Even tied. Yeah. That's yeah. so good. So good, dog. Uh, you know, so there wasn't, there was no other really good new Let's gear that talk, came out dude. this week. There, I want to talk. I want to tell you about something, but there's, uh, I guess there's the one thing is that I don't really want to get into it just because neither of us really liked it. But Ibanez did put out this new dark glass like pedal called the Pentatone preamp mm. that had like um, sweepable EQ and stuff, and and just like none of the. I watched we, Dave and I both watched the same the same demo, and then I watched another one. I just didn't think it sounded very good, so I don't want to shit on it too much. But uh, I think they need to make a better demo. It was for jarring. It. Yeah, it just it just didn't like it was like I don't know. It's just, the demo didn't sound good, so um, don't need to get in that. But I do want to get into is I discovered, and this is this is honestly, we'll see how our listeners feel about this one. I think you'll like. Yeah, it. I discovered who I think might be. One of the coolest dudes of all time, and besides he's, me, uh, just wait. You tell me. His name is Slim Borgood. He's so cool that I didn't even write his real first name down, but everyone just called him Slim. Okay, and he, uh, I, we might call this a Swede so depending. You had a on little how, Eastern European Borgood. Well, he's a Swede. Okay. And uh, we might even call this the Swede episode because there's a little, a, another Swedish thing I wanted to bring up after this. But he was uh, a man who his first career was as a drummer. And he played uh, mainly jazz rock stuff. He played in uh, some short-lived groups, Leah Ryder's group, uh, Made in Sweden, which I guess has had like a people have come back and rediscovered them and some other band called solar plexus which is funny. Uh, he also worked with Bjorn Ulvius's group, the Hootenanny Singers, and... Then became most famous for being the drummer in ABBA. Dude, ABBA rules. So that might sound pretty cool to you. Like, hey, this guy, you know, he's just like living this cool Scandinavian life, being a professional drummer. That sounds like a good life. Well, Dave, I'm about to blow your freaking little shit mind on a my bit. cake. I don't know what that means, but I hope not because what I'm gonna tell you is that he also was a professional racing car driver. Oh, here and we go. Not only was he a professional racing car driver, this man made it into Formula One eventually. What are we talking here? So he began racing on and off in the mid-60s. Uh, he did Lotus. He did this Formula Ford series. Uh, became a lot more serious in 1972 where he started doing sports car racing, won five races. Was he a young man? He was He was in his 20s at this point. Okay. Still a professional drummer on the side, but, sure. and, and do, but doing both very much. 
Um, he then was able to scrounge drives in this uh, Formula 3 car, which is notable because it appeared on the cover of his 1976 solo album called Funky Formula. So this is a real rock and roll slash open wheel racing crossover right here from oh, for your like buddy it. Hank. Funky Formula. Then uh, he did move up to Formula 3, Formula 3, did that sporadically until the end of 1977. In 1978, he formed his own team, raced full-time in Swedish European Series in a, a Ralt Toyota, then made his way uh, back into F3, raced Monaco, got to do that. So he, at this point, he joined a much bigger band called Hootenanny Singers, uh, which was led by this guy named Bjorn Ulvias, who is from ABBA. I don't know any of their names. And he then brought Slim to be the session drummer for that band. Through that, I wish I, I, wish I had a picture that I could show you. Please. He then went, got into ABBA. ABBA sponsored a Formula One car. And there are photos of a Formula One car that just says fucking ABBA. Will you Google on it? The side. Like, we can cut it out. Will you Google it? I want to see it, dude. That, that was like dude, Martin that Martin car is ready. ridiculous, yeah. dude. They're big, fat chunkers. It's like perfectly. Dead. That was the original ground effect era. So they were wow. they basically had side curtains that literally ran on the floor at that point. So that was F1? That's a Formula One car. Yeah, of that time. Wow. Um, when I saw this, Dave, when I first came across this man's story, just sort of accidentally... I screamed. It's like you're telling me there's both been a, a professional musician and Formula One race driver, and boom, here it is. Lewis Hamilton has actually appeared on a Christina Aguilera song uh, that he he like had a like in the video or something. No, he like I, he does like beats or maybe he sang. I'm not sure, but oh. um, he uh, he's credited as some other name, but he admitted admitted years later that he's also that person. But yeah, man, he this guy Slim. Uh, he uh, raced Silverstone. He's raced Monaco. He did Hockenheim, a lot of the big names. Um, he was kind of a disappointment on the track. In Formula One, he never really kind of found his groove. But where he did find his groove a couple years later, he then he did Le Mans. So he's done that. He actually um, won another 24-hour race. But his big thing that he got really good at was, uh, excuse me, truck racing. Uh, like those, you know, pickup truck. But on the NASCAR deal. track? Not the I mean, dirt, in European, yeah. I think I, th- I honestly, I've never really watched that series, but I Dude, think NASCAR it, trucks are garbage. People really like that, but I can't get into it. <laughs> I, I don't like not, trucks. It's not in my general, thing. Dude. Yeah, it's not really my jam. Um, but he did win a bunch in that in that round. He scored one point when he was in Formula One. So I mean, you know, what does that mean? That means well, at that time, I think, I think you only got points up to sixth place. I would guess. So, so he must he have. probably got in sixth or sixth. Eight, probably sixth place i would imagine you know cool. you know on a race which is most people you know i think there have only been 750 something drivers in the history of formula one so most of those haven't scored points either slim did and guess what played in abba he was the drummer you said drummer of abba wow anyone who can race in, in a freaking grand prix and also say that you played with abba i think that's worth a little Dude, shout out i i love your um enthusiasm for racing right now like it's really it's, it's all i care about I, i'll be honest it's been like the last year you've or maybe two years you've gotten really yeah. into it dude yeah it's i i mean it's I could, awesome i could though. talk about it's in, in you read infinitum. books i've read i've read nine formula one or race car books in the last like six months it's awesome dude i can't help it it's it's a deep session you know I i'm a car boy i know so, you are yeah. for far longer than i have i've always liked 
car shows and like watching stuff, but I uh, didn't, I never really felt the confidence to like get more involved in the racing side of things. And, and I just, I don't know. I just, that's stopped, where stopped you caring. surpass me. I don't watch racing and stuff. I just love cars. I would, dude, I love I'm engines. so, I'm so sick for racing right now. Cause it's all, you know, nothing's happening. Um, today's the first oh, wait, practice. It come back soon? Well, formula one comes back in March okay. end of March or mid, mid March, but formula E has its first race of the season in Mexico city this weekend. And I, your boy's probably gonna even watch it. And I like I'm not even the, a huge Formula E fan in general, but like I was thinking about watching the freaking practice today. I was just like, oh my god, there's content. Let me ask you this: Would you watch an old race? Oh, I have watched many, many old races. Yeah. Oh yeah. Because that's a true fan. Like oh, if yeah. you can go back, I won't even watch old Bears games. I mean, sometimes it's fun with like in, no. from the '80s or something. I've, I I've watched I watched the Super Bowl game. Right. That's like the only old Bears game I yeah. ever watched. But like to watch an old sport that already happened, yeah. that's a true fan, dude. Yeah, it's it's because I mean, there's so many things that happen in the race, and there's the thing that I like. I I found that I really like about racing compared to something like a Bears game or whatever is that you know when you like you watch a Bears game, you're watching two teams, and then there are thirty other teams that have games and they're playing each other and doing stuff, and you don't watch most of it. Every time there's a Formula One race or a a World Rally Championship or whatever it is, every team is racing at the same time together. So you see the whole everything that's happening in that sport is happening in the race. So it's like yep. beyond even a Super Bowl every time. It's just like every single race is the whole th- the whole shebang. So all eyes are on it. There's so much focus on it and it's it's a much smaller thing. There's only obviously, you know, 20 to 24 racers. Well, yeah, it's almost like a are. Super Bowl every week, really. But it's more than it's like it's like 15 Super Bowls, you know what I mean? Cuz it's like all of the teams are playing there at at once. So it's I don't know. It's that that part of it I've noticed it makes it easier for me to go back and watch stuff from the past where it's like, yeah, I want to watch like Senna or I want to watch the Schumacher stuff right. that happens. But then I'm also like learning about teams and player racers that I'd never really known shit about before. Well, it's either. evolved now since that obviously big time. Too. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, we got way off the mark here, but Who knows? I love it, dude, but th- we're going to bring it back. And the last thing we're going to talk about is another Swedish invention. All right. And that is the Hagstrom Swede patch 2000. I'm a big Hagstrom fan. Well, you're going to be an even bigger fan of this. We have talked about it, but it was, as far as I can tell, the first guitar synthesizer hybrid. Not the Roland? Not the Roland. Attachment. It was manufactured actually by Hagstrom in collaboration with Ampeg. They took basically the Hagstrom Swede, which was, you know, a body style that they are already making at the time. Is that kind um, of the Strat style one? It's, I, I would, I don't, I would say it's maybe more like a Maz, right? Or something like okay. that. Yep. Uh, but this is it had a really bizarre implementation where you know with the standard, I guess standard current modern whatever you want to call it MIDI guitar, you've got a pickup down on the body of the guitar and that and like the strings vibrate and that's sort of what generates or yeah the signal that then so you send signal down the wires and it triggers your synthesizer or whatever. With this, it was actually through the neck. The neck was specially wired so that when the string came in contact with the fret, it would know what fret you were on with like some wires running inside the neck, and that's what transmitted the sound. So it's all like touch response. like. Yeah, so basically what you could do is either play it like a guitar or, you, so you're saying like touch tap response, you can just tap on it, like and, it and then it would know. Wow where you're playing because it's got you know it's got the fret uh access that's sick uh, i guess the preparation started in 1975 12 guitars were supposed to be finished for some music convention um i don't think they made i don't think they got through all of them 
but um the nice thing about it is that in the few examples that do still exist, you can easily switch between sending the synthesizer sound out or just like it's just a standard, you know, right. electric guitar too. Um, but it had two outputs on it. Uh, in, synthesi- in synthesizer mode, the electronics would generate a signal uh, when it made electrical contact with a fret. If simultaneous contacts were detected, the electronics selected the highest fret and the lowest string among the fretted notes. So it wasn't polyphonic yet at this point. It was you know like a monophonic synth yep. where you press one, one at key a time. and one at a time. So yep. um, each fret, the crazy part of this one, I think about it, every single fret, twenty-two or however many frets were on there, had to be connected by wire to the circuit. It sounds like a disaster waiting to happen. Yeah, and then also each string had to be individually connected as well, and therefore isolated from the rest of the hardware, which meant they had to build a, a brand new, very expensive tailpiece bridge system just to keep all the strings. Is it kind of like the? Um, floor piano they play in big where they have to touch every single thing <laughs> and like if one goes out the whole thing is just fucked. probably i mean i've, I've, I've never actually seen one. i've only this is all just internet things but that it's I've under found. the fretboard of the guitar it looks just yeah you know from the outside you wouldn't necessarily Wild, know dude. from the neck but it's like all the wires are run on the inside yeah man um and then all that generated signal and was sent to what is called the patch 2000 box which i love that it's called the patch 2000 dude the year 2000 bro. dude it, the, in year the year 2000, 2000. In the year 2000. <laughs> so uh, it had a pitch pedal that you could raise the pitch in semitone increments up to a full octave a glide pedal that would add or remove portmanteau and a fifth harmony switch which produced a tone a natural fifth above the played note so you could do that sweet you know power chord harmony thing there also there you could the signal you could control you, you could send signal from that and still control just like you know a Moog or a different type of synthesizer right. with it. It didn't just have to be with this patch box. Um, the synthesizers were not provided by the manufacturer. Uh, the American synthesizer company Steiner Parker developed and sold what was called the Microcon, which was a small size synth without a keyboard that was designed to go specifically with this. Which kind of, in some ways, really generate or pre predated a lot of that like modular i don't know if i'd say not modular synth but like rack mount synth world that wasn't really a thing until this sort of drove it Uh, i guess the guitar was tried by a test panel which included mick box who is apparently the guitar player in uriah heap which is just such a badass name mick box they're a jam band or something Uh, right uh, uriah heap they were like a they were like a power rock band like the late uh like in the 70s they were kind of like i think a hold your jethro toll style or was that argent they were, head I can't remember if yeah. that was your right here. They were, but they were sort of like big rock band. Okay. Um, and then uh, John McVie, who commented on its modifying nature, saying it had very clear solo sounds, but the fact you couldn't use chords was kind of a bummer. So um, a total of 498 right-handed models were produced from 76 to 79. Vast majority sold to Leo's Music, Don Weir, and Guitar Center in, Bay Area, in the Bay Area in Los Angeles. Only 11 left-handed models were ma- ever made. Um, but this is where you're going to get the most interested. A small, very, very small run of Swede and Fender Jazz Bass bass guitars were equipped with the Patch 2000 system. In what year? Uh, well, I would imagine these were... Well, they were only made from 76 to 79. I think those might have been 77. I'm not sure exactly. Sounds about right. But that's something that I think you I've might never want, seen one. You might want to look into, I've never seen one. Fender Jazz Bass Unicorns. with the, the Patch 2000. Shut up, Dad. Yeah. What? Yeah, man. 
That's so cool. I have to find one. Nice little icing on the top of that sweet cake for you. Damn, dude. Why do you got to leave me with a boner like that, dude? Well, there's a pretty sweet jazz boner sitting right behind you. Maybe we just throw a bunch of wires <laughs> inside the neck. At this well, we point, got it open. <laughs> at this point, we can, dude. Let's convert that to, to a Swede, Swede stick. The guy, the guy gets it back. He's like, why the fuck did you mount this? Why are there like 24 wires hanging out of the There's truss? extra rod? routes. Oh, yeah, exactly. Throw it right through the under the pit car there. I love it, dude. Yeah, th- this is another thing that I was I've really wanted to talk about for a while because, I mean, as you know, I, I'm, all, like, all I watch is racing stuff pretty much or just like car engineering stuff. By the way, I started watching. I found there's a. It's called the Jim Connor Files on Amazon. It's like a behind the scenes documentary where they're embedded with them when they were making one of the Jim Connor movies. By the way, if anyone doesn't know, Ken Block is a famous racing guy. Dude also started DC Shoes. Man. He also died recently. Um, but it's sort of like the making of. I think it was. The, it's the making of a few of them that were happening at the time. But it's really good. I've, I'm a few episodes in, and I would. I think if you, if you, I mean, I know you like the Jim Connor stuff. Yeah. If anyone listening also likes it. It's just like the coolest car racing, not car racing. It's like trick car stuff that's presented like drifting and stuff like that. Mostly drifting. Yeah. That's presented in a way that it's so Hollywood. It's almost like better than fast and furious or anything like yeah, it's that. Shot beautifully. It's wonderfully shot. It's like the making of all that stuff and they're embedded together. And it, cool. and I think especially now, if, you know, just the fact that he passed away recently, yeah. it's a timely watch. So if you're interested, Dave, no, that on, video I say it was from like 13 years ago. Jim, he, that was Jim Connor seven, which was from 2010. I the think the Ken Block like drift. He's going through L.A. and like that was the L.A. one with yeah. the unicorn. Yes, yeah, yeah. There, I've I've watched. I think all of them now. Wow, there's ten, but then there's also like a, a climb Connor, which is like the Pikes Peak Hill climb. There's the new electric one, which is insane in in Vegas. Then Travis Pastrana actually does a couple of them. Uh, which I don't think I've watched all those yet. There's maybe two. Watch one. But he used to be like a BMX guy, right? Or a skater? Travis Pastrana's done a bunch of shit. Yeah, he's done like all the extreme I sports. Was a BMX guy. I think it was BMX and or maybe motocross. Yeah. Yeah, and maybe it was Moto, Moto X. I think, yeah. They go over those huge ramps and get yeah, crazy air. Yeah, exactly. He did that, and now he does rally wow. and drifting and shit like that, that's too. Cool. Yeah, he's like one of those guys that's just like... He's extreme. He's, ex- he's ex- He drinks a lot of Mountain Dew. <laughs> I think he might actually be Red Bull. Nacho sure. cheese. Dude. Whew. A lot of talking. A lot of beef. Is this a beefer? I don't know. It's, I mean, it's fully, it's fully nighttime. I love you, man. Love you too, buddy. This is a, this is a fun one. I love I love doing the show with you. I love chatting. Me too. I love getting to put it out in the world and, and all the folks that listen to it and get something out of it. Did so, they stick around this long? I think they might have. And thank you if you did. We're, we love you as well, and we're thankful for you. But if you did make it this far, why don't you go make some music? 